Welcome to The Overthrow, a segment where we discuss all the other events of the week we really wanted to talk about but couldn't squeeze into the main episode. This week we focus on football and the UEFA Champions League. We're into the business end of the competition now and with half a match day played, we look back on the midweek action and look ahead to the fixtures to come. Hello, I'm your host Pavesh Malani. Joining me for The Overthrow today, we have lifelong United fans Ali Bilwala and Gurpreet Rana. Hey everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Hi guys. Hey guys, good to have you on the show. And of course, we also have our resident genius who inexplicably supports a small club that shares a name with a brand of sugar. <laughs> it's the Chelsea file, Shivang Dubey. Hello, hello, hello everyone. And come on guys, you'd want your owner just to be as sweet as Roman Abramovich is. You know that. <laughs> oh, he looks like he's all smiles and sunshine all the time. He does, doesn't he? I've never seen a man more miserable to win the European Cup. I honestly think Roman looks more scary when he smiles. Well, that's that's the effect of having too much sugar. But no, sweetest owner, we couldn't have asked for a better owner. Something you guys would never know. His, his countryman, Daniel Medvedev, would probably say he looks like a small cat. And he'd be right. Oh, say that to his face and Medvedev wouldn't play another match. <laughs> I don't want to disappear to any re-education camp. So let's move on then. Let's get stuck into it. Champions League, PSG stealing it at the death against Real Madrid. Jeez, it's not the first time the Parisians have pulled one out of the hat, is it? No, they seem to have a knack for it until, you know, they show up at a mid-table French club. But <laughs> in, in the tournament that matters, and in the French League for the most part, no, they do have a knack of, you know, just finding a solution up in Fergie time. Did they, uh, did they lose to that uh, mid-table French team because Pochettino had his heart in Spurs watching them beat City? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think, um, I think PSG just have like an unbelievable squad. Like, uh, I think any half the, half the team sheet for PSG would walk into any club in the planet. And of course, they have enough, just enough persistence, enough experience, enough quality. Just keep pushing teams to the end until they get get the result. I think that's kind of what's happening. It's um, it feels a bit weird to watch kind of them persist and push on the knock on the door as much, but um, they're getting the result right at the end if it matters. And obviously, they're struggling against um, mid to lower lower level teams. It's interesting because if, if Kylian Mbappe had his way last summer, he would have walked into Real Madrid squad. So does the winner yeah, get yeah. to keep Kylian Mbappe this time? Is this the <laughs> Kylian Mbappe derby? It it surely is the Kylian Mbappe derby, but I don't think the winner gets to keep Kylian Mbappe. I think Kylian knows and pretty much everyone knows where he's off to in the summer. Yeah, I think he's ditching Paris for another capital. London? Chelsea? <laughs> Is Shavank starting a rumour here? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Tom Holland can confirm. He's going to Spurs. Yeah, they, they're, they're going to have like the $120 million for Harry Kane to spend, right? I can actually just imagine Newcastle United lining up with the strike force of Chris Wood and Kylian Mbappe. Hoof <laughs> the long balls onto one guy, the other one takes the knockoffs and <laughs> runs. Oh man, they would they would be un, unbeatable. Route one football, Jeez. big Sam as the coach. <laughs> you heard it here first on the overthrow. And uh, well, I guess we can't talk about PSG without discussing Lionel Messi, and he's struggled a bit recently, hasn't he? 
missed a penalty as well against Real Madrid. What's going on? Um, look, he was always going to be. It's always going to be difficult leaving Barcelona after all those years, and um, you know he's he's Mr. Barcelona. They've kind of molded Barcelona, molded an entire life around Messi to to make him who he is, and he was never. It was never going to be easy separation, and that's probably what he's finding out, and he's probably adjusting to. Um, unlike Ronaldo, in that sense, where Ronaldo's actually moved around to a few clubs, he's gone through that process. Messi's doing it quite late in his career, and he is not Messi in his prime anymore. <laughs> but he is still Messi. Come on, guys! Like you know, Messi's still like still the finest player on the planet, right? Him, him, and Ronaldo. You can't you can't put anyone else up up against them. But you've got to admit, it is a bit. It is a bit strange seeing how life has come full circle in a sense for Messi because when he was at Barcelona, Neymar came in and Neymar, this Brazilian superstar who had to play second fiddle to him. And now it almost seems like Messi is playing in Neymar's shadow as well as Kylian Mbappe. That that also has to be something that Ronaldo never had to get used to is playing in, in someone else's shadow. Pavesh, I think it's, it's what Ali said. I think it was an excellent point. It, stylistically, if you look at the way that that great Barca side was set up with Xavi and Iniesta and and Messi at, as the spearhead. The, the way that team played, the way the movement was done, the way they attacked, the entire rhythm was built around Messi. Messi kind of was the the ultimate spearhead in the in the Messi Ronaldo debate. It, it will go on for for years and years. Ronaldo is probably the player who can fit into any system, but Messi in that Barcelona system is unbelievable, right? And and it, this is not the first time this is happening where Messi's struggling. We've seen it time and time again with Argentina, right? We we're comparing one of the greatest players to ever play the game, the way he was playing in probably the greatest club side ever put together. It's just not going to be the same anywhere else. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I think it's um, it's sad as a as a football fan to see what it seems like uh, is a passing of the baton, but also very excited to see what Kylian Mbappe might bring to well whoever Absolutely. he goes to. We have no inside information. <laughs> but speaking of Real, uh, do you think they'll be disappointed with that result? Not particularly, no, because um, UEFA has. For, for all their infinite wisdom, decided to scrap away goals. <laughs> so, I can't make sense out of that decision to get uh, rid of away goals. I think that was a brilliant incentive for away teams to attack a bit more. But, no, Real go into the second leg at home with only one goal to chase, which, to be honest, isn't going to be a problem for Real. Or shouldn't be a problem for Real, I should say. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting context uh, contest. Sorry, uh, in the return leg. Now, over in Milan, Inter played Liverpool. I like to think of it as a team that was once coached by Conte versus a team that was once full of Contes. Ooh. I'm glad you let nothing slip with Ooh, that. Yeah, comment. I had to be very <laughs> I pay a lot of attention to the script there. <laughs> but look, this does not slip. <laughs> Sixty-five minutes uh, of facing a barrage from Inter on their goal, but they come out with a 2-0 victory. Surely Liverpool must be feeling pretty comfortable going into the return leg, Ali? Um, yeah, look, Liverpool look really good, and now they've got their African Kings back. Um, you know, Salah and Mane are scoring again, and they 
they've been scoring basically through the African Cup, but now they're scoring for Liverpool again. And Liverpool looking, they look good. They look they look refreshed almost. Um, it seems like it was a good break for them to have Man- Mane and Salah away. So they they look pumped for the Champions League, and it's going to be a hard one to predict because um, it's pretty. Um, it's a pretty competitive Champions League. You can't just say there's one or two teams in it. Mm. But I also feel that 2-0 is a bit misleading given how the game played out in its entirety. Like, for the longest part, it was Inter who were creating the better chances. And then it was only when Bobby Firmino came on in the second half that you know the momentum started to swing a little bit. Um, I hope Diego Jota is okay uh, with his ankle injury and everything. But the two goals that they scored, okay, one was a good hitter, but Salah's goal was basically smash and grab. And why Inter allowed Salah to have as much space in the box? A team managed by Conte wouldn't have done that. (laughs) It was a performance, Shravank, that reminded me a lot of the way Chelsea got through a lot of their fixtures last year, (laughs) where, where you're basically just getting pummeled, right? And against the run of play, you end up scoring, and then you end up scoring another one, and you basically shut house your way to the final. I'm sorry, Shivang, before you answer this, now, should I send for help? Because we've got three United fans against the one Chelsea fan, and it seems like you might be the one getting pummeled as well, a little bit. I am sorry. As the current holders of the Champions League, you guys have nothing on me right now. You guys are still living in 1990. Oh, Look, um, you know, personally, I am hoping United can pull a Chelsea and we can show that defensive rigidity and try to get a bit further down the Champions League because, to be honest, it is an option and it it is a good option when we have Mr. Champions League in the squad. So, uh, yeah, United really need to follow like that Chelsea blueprint, like get that defensive solidity in. It can take them far down the Champions League. Yeah, and um, just to add to the smash and grab point, I mean, if I know, Gurpreet, you love your XG, but if you look at the XG, we went through all the um, elimination rounds of the Champions League with an aggregate XG of 12 to 2. Okay, it's a good time to talk about misleading statistics, actually, now that you bring that up. Alison, <laughs> okay, we said Inter smashed Liverpool probably for the first 65 minutes, and they were Liverpool were on the back foot. Alison made zero saves. In the entire game, I think you you needed to watch the game, Pavish. I mean, I, I watched the whole thing, and you, you just had a real sense in the game that Inter were knocking on the door without quite touching the door. If you know what I mean, the the <laughs> final ball, the final ball wasn't quite there. It was uh, Laturo Martinez had a, a cross loom up at the back post, and he just missed it. There was a couple of other opportunities where a, a better pass would have seen the attacker go one on one. Liverpool just—it was—it was almost like a boxing game where you had to get through those bad rounds, and they landed the the Firmino goal basically knocked the stuffing out of Inter. It was as soon as that went in, I knew it was going to be two 0 and that's how it panned out. And with five substitutions allowed, and it doesn't really come down to. Who has the better and bigger squad? We saw that with PSG. Then we talked about maintaining that intensity. When you can practically swap out half the outfield in a knockout game, is it more important to just have a deep squad? Is that what's going to get you through? So we see Liverpool playing rope dope. P- uh, you know, PSG, of course, on the front foot. They were knocking on the door. They finally got through. So is it a squad game? 
I think the five substitutions definitely gives teams a lot of uh, flexibility and and variability as well in terms of who plays where and how much you can change because definitely you can get the energy back up and refill the team. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, we talked about away goals as well, not mattering in the Champions League, which is probably just as well for Sporting, who only need to win by six at the Etihad to go through. (laughs) So guys, look, in preparing for this episode, I was going to ask you how a Man City could be stopped, but it seems that question was answered this morning by, of all teams, Tottenham Hotspur. So, okay, if, if you don't have Harry Kane, how do you stop Man City? Low fullbacks for Man City. They can't buy a fullback, they can't play a fullback. Make yep. Man City play Harry Kane. Oh. <laughs> and, and and this 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 exact point this exact point right i i actually think this is how you stop man city make them sign a selfish center forward who plays for himself yeah <laughs> well they and tried ronaldo Yeah, <laughs> I mean, had some thoughts on. I I know I say lads, it's Tottenham, but this just puts a different meaning on lads, it's Tottenham. <laughs> but wasn't wasn't that just a Hollywood script though? You've got this team of plucky no hopers. Nobody gives them a chance. They have just stumbled their way into a game against the <laughs> biggest, baddest team in the land, and they they somehow rally after an inspirational speech by their coach, who used to manage a champion club, and now as well, he's the manager of Spurs. Enough uh, said, <laughs> and they win it in the final minute. So, should we just wrap it all up? Is this a, is football done? The script is the script is done. Release the movie. Move on to another sport. I I don't think football's peaked. Um, football is going to peak. The, the the script isn't complete until Spurs go and lose three 0 midweek. <laughs> <laughs> because Spurs are living in a constant tragedy. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think like the uh, it's interesting as well because the goals that Man City did concede. Yes, there was um, there was good movement and good build up play from Spurs, but some of the defending was really static, mm. and that that alone is probably a huge question mark for Man City's Champions League hopes. Because to win the Champions League, you just have to be stronger than that defensively. Like some of those runs Kane was making, those were too easy. He was he was untouched. He was running into gaps that were so wide, no one could even get close to him. Well, it's definitely given Pep something to think about. And I reckon in the return leg, we might see him play Gabriel Jesus in, at centre-back because that's Pep and that's what he does. <laughs> right, I'm, to find I'm sorry, out, did Randolph you say still... Pep and thinking in the same sentence? Because <laughs> you know he's going to overthink. Oh, yeah. This this is what Sporting Lisbon need. This is where the comeback <laughs> begins. This is how they win 6-0 at the Etihad. <laughs> but now look, to round off the week's matches, we had Bayern scoring a last gasp equalizer in the Sound of Music derby against RB Salzburg, which, given they had about 72% possession and an XG of somewhere around 500, seems like a fair outcome. But looking ahead to next week, we have some real biggies ahead. Chelsea versus Lille and Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United. Right, first we'll cover the minor game, Chelsea versus Lille. Shavank, this should be easy enough, shouldn't it? For Lille? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, it'll it'll be easy for Lille to see how the champions of Europe actually play. Um, you guys are going to get a hiding from Atletico Madrid. That's also <laughs> set in stone. So, <laughs> big words, young I man. I mean, you guys are you know, you you guys are going up against 
you know the champions of the low block in atletico madrid <laughs> but anyway i'll save the madrid and united um analysis for later but no with chelsea it should be easy but i mean if i look at the crystal palace game and the fact that we had six players out after coming back from the club world cup because of the weather or whatever you know playing in 30 degrees over there or whatever the reasons may be i hope it's an easy outing um but yeah um, i really hope that mason mount and reece james can come back because these two youngsters are basically becoming the spine of the club and how the club will play this season next season and for many years to come forward so i mean tactically mason mount is the pressing trigger so he starts the entire pressing movement whenever the other team has the ball and they make you know one of those trigger movements so him missing basically leaves our entire pressing disjointed and it's our pressing and cutting off the passing lanes that makes us so good in transitions and basically that's what won us the champions league last year except for the final where pep was overthinking but <laughs> yeah Are you telling me you can't rely on lukaku to press <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's rhetorical right <laughs> it might be slightly um you've also got a bit of a goalkeeping conundrum now right the the, the good kind between keeper and Monday. The good uh, the good kind, yeah. Um Kepa's deputized really well. He had a, a very bad time under Frank Lampard. His confidence hit rock bottom and everything, but with him playing in the cup games and everything and his stature as the penalty specialist, his confidence is back up. I don't see him uh, displacing Mendy anytime soon though. I think Mendy's been phenomenal for us. He can claim across his distribution needs some work but isn't terrible. He's a fantastic shot stopper. His positioning is excellent. I think where this benefits us is that Kepa regains some of his transfer value. So if he's looking for a move in the summer to be number 1, then you know, we can make a quick buck out of it. Hey, not going to argue with Daddy Roman. getting a little bit more <laughs> money right there. <laughs> Now look, we're going to wrap it up soon, but before we do, we can't forget the biggest show in town. They may not always entertain, they may not always win, and these days they may not really be that united. But the red team in Manchester have a point to prove and seem to be hitting form at just the right moment. Ali, how do you see this tie going? Um, this tie is going to be a very interesting one. Ronaldo loves 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 playing Atletico. He just has a real passion for them so i'm sure he'll be pumped up and he'll be probably talking he'll probably be doing more of the coaching than um Raniak, uh, <laughs> this week um, and um i think i think he'll i think he'll get united over the line he just has that drive and he he knows how to get through atletico so yes low block and that's where pogba and bruno fernandes come in they have to play they they them together offer that unpredictability to break apart a low block and then we have ronaldo who can finish uh and then getting uh getting our wider players and getting our speed in as well will help but really that's kind of how we will score but the bigger problem united have uh, how we're going to keep atletico out because you know atletico are going to when they when they come at you they're going to come at you Do you feel that um Ronaldo's time away from Spain in Italy and now England would have some sort of impact though? I know he in the past when he was at Real he loved scoring against Madrid but 
Stylistically, Atletico have slightly evolved. Um, they've got Luis Suarez and Antoine Griezmann, Griezmann again in their lineup. Um, the dogged defense from the past is somewhat different. Do you think that might have an impact? And also Ronaldo's 37. I mean, he's not getting any younger. Again, age reference. I had to make it. <laughs> I don't think he had any problems with Juventus against Atletico. So that's, you know, uh, the, the, that was a big tie the, to the, turn around. The other thing, the other thing here, lads, is um, quite frankly, like United, Atletico aren't in good form. They're, they've basically got an almost identical record to United in La Liga. They're sitting fourth on 42 points. United have 43. They've won 12. United have won 12. They, the way they play and that defensive doggedness, Shivank, I get the feeling that they need to be at their absolute best. They need to be focused, especially against a player like Ronaldo. I, I don't think they're quite playing at that level this time around. Um, and, and United, I know on paper, we're only scoring one goal per game. If that, but United are creating a lot of chances, and 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 Ronaldo in the Champions League, um, you know, XG almost goes out the window. It's it, he's almost one chance, one goal type of guy. Yeah, and it is actually hard for Ronaldo to score hat tricks when United only score one goal a game. So maybe we're going to have to up that part of our game just to help him out here. <laughs> That's right. That's but right. I, I do, That's I do right. smell a fifth uh, coming, a fifth hat trick against Atleti. I think would be perfect. Look, I think I have, I have a silent hope, um, and. There's a there's a chance that United click together for the Champions League and just they have the quality they can kind of just get the defensive effort right. Champions League could be the one they go deeper into this year. There's some good teams out there, but I don't think they're that far off. Oh, such a polite way to say drop Harry Maguire, Ali. <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a polite plea to buy. Uh, Harry, a right leg to go with his two left, or her <laughs> left leg to go with his two right. I don't know which way around. You'll miss out on the no look defending then. <laughs> oh, we've got Eric signature no look defending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he needs to be injury free though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We got to wrap him up in cotton wool. Him and Varane. We've got the makings of a great defense, but they all seem to be on the physio table. Anyway, and with that, that's all the time we have, and that's it for our very first overthrow. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to have more of these for you in the future, mostly down to our poor time management when recording the actual podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you to our panelists for their comments and opinions. We'll be back again next week with another episode of The Backpass. See you then.